What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Glory UJ Podcast. I'm Tyler, and back with me today is my co-host, Curtis. And on today's show, we are back on the football train talking week two of spring practice. I know most of you guys already know this by now, but week two saw an epic coaches clinic with over a thousand coaches in attendance. I mean, Kurt, I don't know if you can remember back to years past, but like getting like two hundred or so coaches to come for that for that event was a pretty was a pretty big showing. To have over a thousand coaches, I think I read from like twenty eight different states that were represented. That's insane. So uh, that was definitely going on through the end of last or the, the last part of last week. Uh, the typical media guys got to watch their normal ten to fifteen minutes of practice on Tuesday and Saturday. Uh, so we're definitely going to recap what they had to report over the course of the week. But does bear mention that practice was closed since they had the, this, this huge coaching uh, clinic uh, going on. The p- practice was closed in the media in order to accommodate all the coaches that were in town to watch practice. So let's be real. Like the, I mean, it's great to sit and listen to all the coaches talk ball and everything. But the best part of being able to go to the coaches clinic is to actually sit and watch practice. Uh, but I do have a few guys I know in the, in the high school coaching profession who I was able to tap for just a little bit of information uh, based on what they saw of practice. And so Curtis and I will also discuss that. And obviously that's kind of secondhand and that's not me seeing it directly, but I figured I'd at least pass on a couple things that I was told uh, as these guys saw. But uh, we'll definitely get to that in just a second, but just a couple quick reminders for you guys. You can follow us on Twitter at glory underscore UGA. Definitely love to hear your thoughts on everything going on around the program with spring practice now in full swing. I also want to make sure before I forget here to mention that later this week, we're going to bring back the listener mailbag. It's been a while because there hasn't been as much going on since the between like now and the end of recruiting. I guess the end of recruiting and now. So now that we've got spring practice going on, we've got a new basketball coach, baseball's in full swing. Uh, we'll be taking all listener questions, anything and everything you guys want to talk about, you want to hear us discuss, it is all fair game. So be shooting us those questions to our uh, Twitter account. That's at glory underscore UGA. I also want to make sure everyone knows you can find us on a variety of podcasting platforms out there. The big ones, of course, would be uh, dollsportsradio.com, where we got started a few years back and download the Dollsports Radio app straight to your phone. And then iCloud and uh, or iCloud, iTunes and SoundCloud. Uh, you can also find us there. I know that's popular among a lot of you guys out there. And then the Stitcher and TuneIn apps are also where you can find us. So any of those, uh, you can definitely find the show. Hopefully some one of those might work for you guys. And if you get a chance to uh, rate and review the show, we definitely appreciate that. And we are very grateful for those of you who have already taken the time to do so, kind of help us out as we continue to try to grow the show. But all right, Kurt, let's go ahead and get into some football conversation here, my man. Now, again, like this is spring practice. Not as much information that's coming out of spring practice as you would see during fall camp. A lot of the, what you see in, in spring camp is like the teams that they work on, on like we're working on us right now. We're not so, like, there, there might be a little bit that we're putting in, like I'm sure we're working on, like Kirby said last, during the season last season, as we were nearing the tech game. Of course, going back this spring, we worked on a few things with tech, some installation stuff. A lot of it is just like fundamental stuff, getting better, getting a feel for your team, figure out where guys kind of fit. A lot of that stuff is kind of going on right now. But uh, we're going to dig into what we at least are hearing coming out of, out of spring practice right now as we lead up to G-Day coming up here in a couple of weeks. Uh, now, Kurt, Saturday's practice, reporters, they, got, they apparently got a look at the current starting defensive unit. Uh, if you even want to call it that at this early stage, I guess you got to have somebody line up, line up out there with the first unit. So we'll call them the starters. And uh, what I was hearing from guys that were actually at practice and the coaches that were there watching over the weekend at the coaches clinic, it kind of mirrors what was reported by the, the media types, you know, the AJCs, um, Athens, Banner Hill, all those kind of guys. So what it kind of looks at right now, what we got right now, and I don't think there's too many surprises. Yeah, defensive line, if we're going with a three-three-five look, 
You got Julian Rochester at nose, Jonathan Ledbetter at the five tech, and you got Tyler Clark at the three technique, defensive tackle. Linebacker, you got Natres Patrick, obviously back with the program right now. You got Jawan Taylor at the other inside linebacker. And then working the outside linebacker, you got DeAndre Walker. I'm going to stop right there for a quick second here, Kurt. Does that surprise you at all that Jawan Taylor is one, running with the ones right now at inside linebacker? Honestly, no, because you saw it last year when Natrez was suspended, who was the very first person to step in with that when Reggie Carter wasn't there. It was Jawan yeah. Taylor. I mean, you saw the other guys like Monty Rice get some reps. You even saw some Tay Crowder get some reps. But it doesn't shock me that they're at least – it's more or less like – it's not like they're handing him the position, but saying, you know, you're the upperclassman. Um, uh, let's, let's see someone else take it from you. Yeah, do you think that's really what it is? Like right now, he's the senior. He's the guy that's been here longer. So not saying he's going to get the not going to give him the job, but he gets first crack at it. Is that more or less what you're seeing right now? I, I think more than anything. I think they're letting him get the more first crack at it. He's been in the system a little bit longer than the other guys. Um, and then I think they're just also pushing these younger guys to beat them out and not get complacent. I mean, that's motivation what motivation yeah, that's one of Kirby's biggest things is uh, complacency. Yeah, I don't have a I don't have an issue with giving a senior the first crack of the job since he's been here the longest. I get that. I and I don't think Kirby would do this, but I, what I have an issue with is just giving the guy the job because he's your upperclassman. That's not how that's not how you build a winning program. That's not what we're well, about exactly. here. And I'm with you. I don't think Kirby does. I mean, you saw on the offensive line last year. I mean, for most of the time, Dyshawn Sims was the starting guard. Yeah, we gave we gave him every camp. crack of the job we possibly could. And then so he just I, he I mean, lost I think it. Yeah, it's just another one of those things. Giving him the crack, of, you know, just giving him the the opportunity. Yeah, I mean, look, and, I, and I'm like I said, I'm cool with that. Uh, now, in my opinion, in my humble opinion, for him to hold on to that job, he's going to have to raise his game in a huge way because what I've seen from him, uh, especially last year as a junior, like. It, I don't want to say underwhelming is not the strongest. It's not the best word, but it's, I mean, it certainly it, wasn't. It wasn't in, super encouraging. Like, to me, Jawan Taylor and now the Jawan Taylor we saw last year. Now, good. He, now, again, he could make a jump from from his junior year to his senior year. But how often do you really see? Usually, it's you know when, who you are as a junior. More often than not, that's kind of who you are. Now, if you're a freshman, that you can make a big jump from freshman to sophomore year. But like, I, I don't know how much of a jump Jawan Taylor's gonna make. I, I hope he does. But if we if he's the same guy we saw last year. I mean, I'm not, he's not a bad player, but is he a championship caliber inside linebacker? Starting inside linebacker for a, for a championship caliber team? No, not at all. I mean, he's not. Uh, he, to me, he's more of a career reserve. I mean, he played some his freshman year, and then after that, that PT he got a little bit his freshman year, he just seriously just disappeared. Yeah, I'm rooting for the guy. I want everybody that, you know, I've, I've only heard good things about his work ethic and what he does want to probably never been in trouble. I hope the guy does make a big jump and, and becomes a different player. But based on what I've seen this far, he's the kind of like, a, he's like a Vanderbilt or Missouri caliber inside line. But he's the kind of guy you would see starting for those teams. Is he not? Is he not? He is. I mean, especially with what the linebacker we play, we've had the last couple of years. You just don't see it. Yeah, you just it's it's look. There's going to be a drop off no matter who takes that spot from Roquan Smith. No matter who takes it, it's going to and and, and, that's, and that and that sucks. Whoever has that job is going to be compared to Roquan Smith, and there's just no no way you can match up to that. But if you put Jawan Taylor in there, I'm just afraid there's going to be a significant drop off if he's playing if he's playing big time minutes early on. And look, we got South Carolina week two on the road. We don't get time to be saying, okay, you know what? We're going to give the senior the job, and then we're going to let those other guys work themselves in. Like I, Again, I don't think Kirby would do that, but it's happened in the past with other with another regime. Um, but this is a totally different guy at the helm here. So hopefully that won't end up happening. And hey, if Juwan Taylor ends up being the best guy for the job, then, then, then let's roll with him. But I just have a hard time believing uh, that he is indeed going to be that best guy and hold on to that job. We'll see. We'll see. Definitely give him a shot there. Uh, then you got the defensive backfield. Uh, you, you and I, we touched on this a little bit last week. We had uh, this kind of confirmed what you and I were hearing last week with Mark Webb taking working with the ones. 
from what I've heard, he's working with the ones. So at cornerback, also, according to Kirby, also getting some work there at the star position, which so just have a lack of depth there. Then you've got DeAndre Baker, of course, on the other side at corner, and then Richard Count and J.R. Reed at the safety positions. No surprise there. And then Tyreek McGee. Uh, what at least during the pursuit drill that that's being reported on. This is like, and this guys again, like the media, what they get to see. If you ever been to one of the open practices or been in any practice, what the media sees is basically like warm ups. It's like stretching and like just getting your feet wet. There's not much going on, but what they saw is a pursuit drill. These guys are running, um, basically just pursuing down the sidelines as if a guy gets loose down the sidelines. The defense is is, is racing down there, uh, and so you got Tyreek McGee in there. Are Webb and LeCount, because these are like, okay, if, if this lineup holds, right, you know, very, very early. I mean, there's a lot of guys that, even, that aren't even on campus right now that are compete for these jobs. But if Webb and LeCount, these are guys who are going to be redshirt fresh. Or Webb, Webb will be a sophomore, actually. So will LeCount. They'll be sophomores. They didn't redshirt last year. My bad there. But if these guys, who didn't play a ton last year in terms of position downs, if they're going to be if they're going to be starting for us, are they two guys that we can count on to replace two senior starters? Um, I really think they can. I mean, the thing is, who are they replacing? I mean, you know, Sanders made some good plays in coverage all the time, but he got beat just as much as anyone. And then we all know about the struggles of Malcolm Parrish. So, I mean, in reality, I mean, yeah, they're upperclassmen with some experience, but did they actually give us an advantage with them being back there? This is a tough word for me to answer. Because, look, I've said this before, and you said you've been with me on this, I believe, as well. In my mind, there's no question there's a significant talent upgrade by bringing guys like Mark Webb and Richard, Richard LeCount into the starting lineup to replace Dominic Sanders and Malcolm Pierce. The talent upgrade, the athleticism, it's no contest. But you also have to factor in the experience, the senior leadership that, that those guys brought to the table. It, I think it's kind of unrealistic to expect Richard LeCount and Mark Webb at this point to replace that experience. Obviously, they cannot replace the experience. So you can't do that. It's just, it's just math. You can't do it. Um, but the leadership as well, I, I, they're not. It's not realistic to expect them to replace that. But I don't necessarily know they have to because there's other guys now who are stepping into that role. They, like you don't necessarily have to have like your safety. One of your safeties, like Dominic Sanders, doesn't necessarily have to be that that vocal leader. You have other guys on the Maybe J.R. Reese steps into that role. We know Jonathan Ledbetter is already starting to do that. So I, I think you can have other guys replace that. But I will stick to my guns. Webb and LeCount are significant talent upgrades over the guys that they potentially could be replacing if they hold on to those jobs. Now, the experience part of it, that is somewhat – I mean, does that not somewhat concern you, the fact that they have very little – I mean, Webb essentially no experience out there. LeCount with some early season experience last year, but not a ton. Uh, not really because our two guys with some of the most experience on defense got beat time after time. I mean, oh, you mean like the, the, you meant the play that lost at the national championship? Yeah. You, like, you know, like that play where both those guys completely blew their blew their assignments, or at least one of them blew their assignment? The entire national championship game where Malcolm Parrish was like the little kid that you bully on the playground, or yeah. uh, the uh, college football playoff semifinal, um, the first couple touchdowns, Malcolm, or uh, Dominic Sanders was never in position, which just completely getting looked off. I mean, yeah. I mean that's the thing. I mean... So basically, what did that experience do for us? Like that, so, that so-called experience, how much did that help us last year in those critical yeah, it, times? It, to me, it reminded me of two years ago when you had Kublano and Pike both on the offensive line. Yeah, they were seniors and they had a bunch of experience, but how many times did we have bad snaps, hold calls, offsides by those guys? So where where did the leadership really get – the experience and stuff really get you? Look, the ideal situation is having – Supreme talent with experience. That's the ideal situation, right? But for me, and this, I'm just speaking for myself. I could be wrong here, but I've always leaned towards if I had to choose one or the other, talent or experience, a hundred times out of a hundred times, I'm going with the talent, even if it's inexperienced. Are you with me on that? 
Yeah, because they can make up for certain things which other guys would. Um, if, yes, if you don't have if 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 you're even if you're experienced, if you don't have the talent, there's simply simply put, there are just things you cannot do. Right? It's much it's much easier to learn what to do than to be able to do things that you physically cannot do. Right? I mean, of all the knocks on Malcolm Pierce, a lot of the time he was in a decent position or he was there, he just didn't have the talent. Well, and just to have the size, like I mean, like the dude. I mean, what was he? Maybe maybe five ten, five eleven, maybe. I mean, well, he's about five eight, a hundred, but seventy five. If you, really. if you if you meet him in person, he is. He, he, I mean, whatever. I can, what was he listed? Last? I have to look this up. But oh, five ten, one eighty, one ninety. Yeah, he's. I mean, you and I have seen this guy in person, like sitting right next to him. He's not like I'm. I'm. I I say I'm five eleven. My wife says I'm five ten and a half. But we'll go five eleven since she's not here right now. Uh, the dude is a good two inches shorter than me at least. Right? I mean, at least. So there's no way if 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 I if he's five ten then I'm like six one and I'm definitely not six one, uh, but I mean so there was just some like look the guy played hard he did everything the right way there's just like he, there, he, there were deficiencies there on both with both guys so I think the talent is definitely upgraded like I said I would much rather go with talent over experience I'd love to have talent and experience that's ideal but we don't have that luxury right now so we're replacing with with better ta- with more talented players I feel pretty good about that. now are there gonna be times they blow coverage and and, and hurt us sure. Right? I mean, that's going to happen, is it not? Oh, yeah, that's going to happen. It's going to happen, but I think these guys are going to make some plays out there that the guys that they're replacing didn't always make last year. So maybe it'll be a net, uh, hopefully it'll be a net gain. We'll see how that how that happens. Look, we don't know if these guys are going to have that job. Uh, from, from some of the guys that, I, that were at the practice I was talking to, um, LeCount, uh, you know, he's super talented. But what I was told is that Kirby was was all over him all the time. He was he was missing some assignments here and there. Kirby was just unleashing on him, uh, which that's kind of what Kirby does, you know. Especially some of these young guys. And look, he's getting right. We heard the same things last year, did we not? Yeah, last I mean, spring it doesn't really shock me. I mean, because Kirby, I mean, Kirby rather than make mistakes and get onto him now than you know than it be later. Yeah, and, and look these, again. These guys are young. Of course, they're they're going to make mistakes. And then coach is going to be all over him. But let's get all over him now, so that by the time games actually roll around, these guys. Are, are in good shape and ready to roll. So we'll see. Uh, but let's stick with the secondary here for a minute, and let's talk about some of the, the safety depth concerns. Um, I don't know if you, if you got a chance to see this, Curtis. Some of you guys might have, have listened to this, but in his post-practice press conference after Saturday's practice, Kirby said, quote, our depth at safety is a very serious concern. So, Kurt, my question for you is simple. Is this a classic case of coach speak and Kirby just trying to downplay expectations, or – are Kirby's concerns about our depth at safety actually legitimate? Um, I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, right now, I think more than anything, he's trying to challenge these guys. I mean, you got people like Brin, uh, Brinny and uh, Bishop, who he's openly said, you know, just said they're, they're, they're not there yet. And I think he's just, yeah, he, he, he was asked about those guys at, at the press conference, and his answer was they're a work in progress. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. If they were ready, then there wouldn't be that much of a difficulty or problem with depth back there. I mean, you have Gibbs will be back in the fall. And so, I mean, I think that's the biggest thing is I think more than anything, he's just trying to challenge the people who are there because in reality, especially in you add Stokes to that list of those three and people like that, if they don't get it going, they're going to get passed up when this next class enrolls in June. Do you see Stokes as a safety long term? I mean, I think to that kid, he just needs to do something to try to get on the field. Well, Kirby's trying to. You can, I mean, clearly, you can tell the guys that he's recruiting, like Tyson Campbell. These he's are they, they're, these are guys that can play either position. So you you, got, you have a guy, a guy that's either a long corner or uh, a good looking safety with 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 great range. So I, I think that's going to be our mo. It clearly is our mo moving forward. Those are the kind of guys that we're going after. Guys like Nadab Joseph, Devon Wilson, um, even like D'Angelo Gibbs to a degree. He's a guy who plays safety could play also in that star position as well. In in, in a crunch, D'Angelo could play out at corner, but I certainly don't think that's where he's where he fits best. 
Um, but look, I, I don't know. Like when I first heard this, I was, I was, I was like, yeah, you're right, man. And you think about it, it's like, God, like, what is our safety? Like, it's, it's not, it's nothing right now. Like, right now we have one guy that we know we can count on in J.R. We come back. The guy was a beast last year. We, we know we can count on him. Richard Count did some good things for us at moments last year, but we really don't know how ready he is from a mental standpoint. I have faith in our coaches to have to get him there with Kirby and Mel Tucker all over him. I have faith in them to get him there. But the fact is he has he has very little experience. And I had a little bit early on, we had some injuries with Aaron Davis, Malcolm Parrish early last season. And he made some plays for us. But he also there were some times where he was completely out of position. So and and that's kinda of, Kirby was talking about saying the same things about Richard LeCount last year, uh, when we were trying to get him ready to play. So You've got him. That we're hoping that we can count on. He's supremely talented, but he's just got to maybe. Hopefully, that light goes on for him. And then after those two, and I feel pretty good with those two, LeCount and Reed. But after that, like, are you not at least a little uneasy with what comes next after those guys right now? I am, and, and I think that's the biggest thing. Is he trying to challenge these guys? I mean, like we said, Trey Bishop, he never put together. He's got some of the big, the, you know, the best size and athletic ability of, of any oh, of the those. The guy coaches. is insanely athletic. And so I think that's the biggest thing is if these guys would just step it up and, you know, get to it, it really wouldn't be a problem. Yeah, I mean, we have those guys, yeah. People question so much why Kirby was recruiting DBs the last two classes, and I think that's why, because he's trying to challenge them and just find people that will do the job. Kirby knows, and he also knows the direction that college football is taking these, and really just football in general is is going to more spread offense, people trying to get get their guys in space, and you have to be able to match up with that. And so in order to do that, you have to have defensive backs, you have to have defensive backs with versatility that can match up with different looks and different types of weapons that are thrown out there by offenses. So I, I am at least moderately concerned about this. Uh, I feel pretty good about our top two guys, but look, Brini and Bishop—they're clearly not—they're not ready right now, based off what Kirby Smart's saying. And I have no reason to to doubt him right now. Kirby's usually pretty straight up there. Uh, with, I mean, he's pretty honest in his press conferences, and uh, it kind of mirrors what I what I'd heard as well from some guys that were able to see practice. Um, but Bishop, I think it also bears mentioning. Let's remember, this guy was basically an option quarterback in high school, and he was recruited by Auburn, was committed to Auburn as like their next like Nick Marshall type quarterback. And then we were able to sum on the fact that his long term future is going to be in the defensive backfield. But he didn't have a ton of experience playing back there, maybe a little bit in high school, but not a ton. He was a very very raw prospect. Remember like the issue we had with Miko Hardman, who was basically the same same kind of guy in high school. He played. He was basically a rushing quarterback. And then we try, we, but we try to tell, sell him that hey, your long term future is at defensive back. Well, we spent his entire freshman year trying to do that. That didn't work out so well. It, we're clearly sticking there with Bishop and trying to it, to to really turn him into that type of player. Because I, I don't even know if he has the option to go play wide receiver like Miko does. So, but but it's the same it's the same idea. Miko had to come a long way. He was incredibly raw at that position, and it just wasn't working out. Bishop is also equally as incredibly raw coming in into high school or coming into college from the high school level at at, at the defensive back position, particularly safety where he's playing right now. So, I I think it's it's definitely challenging Kirby's patience. But we have to remember this guy was basically starting from nowhere as a defensive back. Uh, he just didn't have that experience. So I, I I'm with you as soon as he the light maybe does come off from hopefully. I think he'd be really good, but that light's got to come on. I just don't know how close he is to that light coming on. Brini, I don't really know. Uh, Brini's highlights in, in high school were solid, nothing spectacular, and we haven't really seen him at all um, really since he got on campus. I don't really know what to think there. They do have guys like Otis Reese and Tyson Campbell coming in. Campbell could play safety, could play corner. We'll see where he fits there. So there'll be some more competition. But right now, I'm with Kirby. I think the depth is a legitimate concern at safety right now. And then let's move over to the defensive line. Kirby also voiced some concerns about depth on the defensive line. And this is what he had to say in his press conference. He said, quote, on the defensive line, we just don't have as much depth. And we're just not as physical as we need to be. So, Curtis, I'm going to ask you the same exact question I asked you about the safety. Is this, again, classic 
coach speak and just downplaying expectations, or are Kirby's concerns legitimate here about the depth of our defensive line? This well, all right, let's look at it number-wise. First off, you lose two people, but then you add um, you add you add Devontae, Devontae Wyatt. Devontae Wyatt, yeah, you add Devontae Wyatt. And um, so I think the biggest thing is, I don't know if it's depth-wise or he's trying to challenge these people that we're going to have to rely on when you're looking at some of the guys other than our starting three when you're looking at Hawkins, Muckle, and things like that. We lost Barnett, which hurts the depth a little bit right now. But he should be back. At least it sounds like. he's He might be out for the rest of the spring, but he should be back in time for the season. Well, yeah, and I think that's the biggest thing. Is I think, so we're, look, we've lost one guy compared to the number-wise from where we were last year. So depth is not as big as a problem. I can see if we lost two or three and you were down two or three. Um, we're only down one at this point, and we still have the guys coming in the fall. So the depth is not as much there, but I think it's the fact that of who the people we're going to have to rely on the, to provide the depth right now. We just There's a dearth of guys that have played serious downs for us on that defensive line. That's just true. Like right now, like okay, we have Tyler Clark at the three tech. He's going to start for us. Outside of him, who, who who's his backup at three tech right now? It's either Mikael Carter, who hasn't played a ton. He played a little bit last year when Trent got hurt, but he still didn't play significant downs. Or JUCO and Rowley, Devontae Wyatt. Got Devontae Wyatt's the only other body there right now, and he's played zero snaps for us. And see, and I, I think I think you're on the track right there. It's the fact that we just don't have the depth that has the experience. Like last year, you had Trent and Clark um, at the nose. You had Julian and John, uh, John, John. So I think that's the biggest thing is we just got these guys. We're not going to have the experience coming off in the second group, which we're going to have to develop and get them playing to the level that's required. Yeah, I, that, and that's my that's my concern. I'm kind of with Kirby on this. Like our our starting unit, if you throw out there Julian Rochester, Jonathan Ledbetter, and Tyler Clark in a three three five look. I feel good with that. I mean, that that's a solid group right there. But it's who comes after. Now, I think we have we. I, I feel really good about our five technique depth, right? Jonathan Ledbetter, you got David Marshall, you got Malik Herring. I feel good there. Do you? Yeah, I have no problem with him because all three of those guys have had big minutes. Yeah, all those guys have played a lot, and the, and they're and they're they're really good players, especially Ledbetter. Uh, so I, I'm solid with with the depth we've got at five technique. Where I'm concerned, really, is that three-technique spot. Because outside of Tyler Clark, we have nobody that's played snaps in that position. We were, I mean, honestly, like, with Trent leaving, that's where it hurts us. Trent was not going to start with Tyler Clark. Our coaches love Tyler Clark. Tyler Clark, was, he was a much better player than Trent last year. Trent has clearly, I think, probably a higher ceiling than Clark does. But he just didn't do it consistently like Clark did. Clark was a consistent dude out there. He was a man for us all last year. Played big time for us throughout the entire season. I feel really good with him. But the dude's got to get a breather sometime. Okay, So you got Devontae White. He's going to come in and play. Tramel Walthour, who's going to be coming in this, this summer. Like he's like That dude's got to be ready to play, right? Him and uh, I think the biggest person is Jordan Davis. Davis. Jordan Davis has ready to play. I this. think if anyone, though, of the freshmen coming in between those two, I think it's going to be Davis. I think he has the body. Yeah, and Rochester, like Rochester's going to play nose force. Okay, that's and and he's a guy I think could in a pinch slide out if you want to go big. He could slide out and play a three technique. Uh, I think he's got the athleticism to do that. But he's he's right now penciled in as our starting nose guard. And then you got DeQuan Hawkins Muckle behind him right now as that kind of that backup nose. And then you got Jordan Davis coming in as as a true freshman. He's a huge dude, 330 pounds. Definitely that that space eating type nose guard. But again, this guy has he's fresh out of high school. All right, and, he, and he's not an early enrollee. So to expect him to come in and play big time minutes for us right away, I just don't know if you can expect that. So. I absolutely think it's a legitimate concern because in this league, you know, that regardless of what football is training as in terms of of, of offensive football, it, the SEC is still a line of scrimmage league. And if you are not stout and you do not have depth up front, though, I think we're stout up front with our with our starting unit. 
But if you don't have that depth, you're going to be in trouble. There's just no doubt about it. I mean, think back to that 2012 SEC title game against Alabama. We had that game won, but we just got worn down that even the front late in the game because we had no depth. We had like 55 scholarship players. And I, I, we can never let a situation like that like that ever happen again. So, And maybe I'm just being alarmist here. I don't know. But just like seriously, take a look at the defensive, the defensive line roster right now. Five technique, we look good, okay? We've got good defensive ends, all right? Rochester, I feel good there. And then, I, you know, I, I think Dequan Hawkins-Muckle can have some can add quality depth there. Jordan Davis can add another body if we need him there. But that three-tech, uh, it's concerning, man. That's where losing a guy like Trent Thompson really, really hurts. Not that he was going to start over him, but just having that other body there. I mean, it, I mean, I think the depth is a question. But I think, or it's a problem, but I think that's the biggest thing is, you know, this is why we fired Tracy Rocker. Because we're feeling the effect of his poor back-to-back recruiting classes. God, I mean, how bad is that? I mean, it hurt the time, but losing Derek Brown, Aubrey Solomon, right now, looking back, oh my God, how much does that hurt? Mm. Exactly. I mean, Those guys are big-time players, especially Derek Brown. Man, God, that hurts. That hurts. And, and that's why we made the change. Had to, had to. And then you got to get time for Trey Scott to get in here and get get his feet under him. And it looks like we're pretty much better in this in this cycle, this 2019 cycle, the defense tackle position. But like right now, and this I was concerned about, like you said, like with under Rocket those past couple years, this is what I was concerned about. I was concerned we're going to be in a situation like this, and if we weren't able to land an instant impact, like five star type guy in, in the eighteen class, it was going to be concerning. Especially if Trent left, and Trent left, and we didn't land that that instant impact guy. As great as the class was, we did not land an instant impact five star guy. That's an immediate plug and play kind of guy on the defensive line, and that that's concerning for me. Especially you consider the the nature of the SEC. So. We gotta get a lot better there. We gotta get a lot better real quick. Now, Devontae Wyatt can step up and become that player for us. The guy who spent a year at JUCO last year and is on campus right now for the spring. For the spring, if he can step up and become that player as a at three tech, I'll feel a lot better, won't you? Yeah, and I think he really can. Um, he got in there. He got some practice in during the uh, the playoffs and stuff. So yeah. I think it's more or less just. I mean, coming from the JUCO level, I mean, there's still a difference in the competition. You got some college level, but it's still um, like I mean, all kids say it. The way that they practice is different than I mean any other level, lower level practice. So I think once he gets more custom and everything, and then sees what they're really demanding and focuses on the little things, I think he can become a player. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that. And I, I'm I'm much. Uh, more confident saying, even though like JUCO is not high level college football, it's still a step up from from high school football. So I'm more confident in him coming from that level than coming straight out of high school and being able to kind of jump in and be an instant impact kind of guy for us. So I'm hopeful there, man. He's he's got to get ready because without him, it's going to be it could potentially be scary on that defensive line, especially or at least depth wise. All right, next thing here, uh, Trey Hill, early enrollee uh, offensive lineman, uh, is a guy that we are hearing is getting some work at left guard. This week, moving past Notori Johnson, at least for one practice. Uh, this was reported from Saturday's practice. Uh, and I actually heard from a few few of the coaches at the coaching clinic this weekend. And look, this, again, this is entirely secondhand. Uh, but I'm hearing that Hill got even a few reps with the ones. Primarily with the twos there at left guard. But got a few reps with the ones. Also working at, at center a little bit as well. Is Trey Hill really a threat to potentially win a starting job this season? I don't think he is. I think that it's one of those things that you have to have the depth ready to go right away. I feel like they don't feel comfortable with the Tory Johnson still to this day because um, it seems like Hill's passing him up, and I think Hill is more of a uh, Swiss Army knife than anything where they think that they could cross-train him at the guard and center position. Yeah, I, I agree. I I think Trey Hill right now is benefiting from the fact that Justin Schaefer got hurt before spring. And the fact that Salyer's not an early enrollee. Yeah, so I think that's – and look, we, we don't know the extent of, of Schaefer's injury. We'll see if he's back for the 
for the fall or early part of the season at some point. But he was a guy that I heard a lot of good things out of last year in terms of him getting ready to play, kind of getting his body in shape and kind of just getting into into playing condition. And I was excited to see what, what he was going to be able to do this spring. I thought he might be able to a guy that could make a potential move before uh, Salyer got here. And then you got Salyer coming in, who might be the best guard prospect we've seen in five-plus years coming out of the high school ranks. So I, I, you got to factor those guys in as well. Uh, Notori Johnson, I'm not really surprised he's passed Notori Johnson. I, I, Notori's a really talented, really athletic guy. I just don't know uh, if he's figured it out yet. Clearly he has not figured it out yet. I'm not giving up on Notori at all. I think he's definitely got a, a chance to be a good player for us if he can just kind of get things straightened out a little bit and just kind of adjust a little bit better to the college game right now. But I'm with you. I don't think that, he, that Hill is really a threat to win the starters. I mean, remember, this is a guy that he showed up on campus in, in January at like 360 pounds. And to his credit, he's gotten down to what I'm hearing around 330 or so right now, which is a good start. But is that not still a little too big if you can play guard? It is. If you look at, like, if, look, I know a guy like Ben Cleveland's a huge guy, so he can carry 330. Trey Hill doesn't actually have the body type to carry 330 and it'd be good weight. And he's, he's got a massive lower half. Like, like we said before, tree trunks are what, what I would describe his legs as. I mean, his lower half is just, it's, it's, an, it's ungodly. Uh, but look, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see that he's making a move here at least a little bit. Now, I don't think we have all the pieces on campus right now that he's going to be competing with in this, in the uh, summer. But hey, I, I'm, I'm, Happier at least that we're hearing this. I'd rather hear this and hear that, you know, Trey Hill, man, I just don't know. This guy's out of shape. He's not ready. So I think that's good to hear. But I'm not ready to sit here and say he's a threat to win a starting job yet. Because, I mean, he's not going to win the center job. Okay? I, I would highly doubt that at this point. I'm not going to say never, but Lamont Galliard likely has that job. I do think the left guard job uh, is probably the most, it's the job that's most vulnerable uh, to being taken or, or have a, a star have that job taken from him and Kendall Baker. But look, I mean, again, Jamari Sawyer is still going to have a, have a say in this. Uh, you're going to have Justin Schaefer back. Hopefully, he'll have a say in this. So let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. But it is, I guess, somewhat encouraging to hear that he's making a little bit of a move there. Do you see him as a center or a left guard long term? Um, I would say probably a center. I he could think cut so. I think that's what we're going to move for. One aspect of his game that's a little undervalued is for how big he is, he, is, he moves his feet very well. Yeah, yeah, I think, you know, going back to when he was being recruited, our coaches, I mean, he even said flat out in interviews that our coaches were recruiting him to play center. Like, we were telling him, hey, you're going to be the center of the future. That doesn't mean we can't change our mind and have him play left guard because we get him on campus to find out he's a better fit there. That's so impossible. I wouldn't also be shocked if he was a guard position and, um, wow, my mind was like yeah, Erickson was the center, and then you had the two guards of, of uh, Salyer and Hill. As yeah, from what I heard, Erickson is working with the twos right now at center. So maybe we just you look at you look at Hill and you look at Erickson. You, say, you know what? Okay, Erickson's probably really a center. I don't know how well he can play left guard, but Hill, a guy like Hill could definitely play center. He could also play guard. He could, he could play guard. He's much more of a fit to play guard than maybe Erickson is. So let's put Erickson at center and work Hill at guard. I can see a situation like that. Kind of going through the coach's mind there, but I think he could play either one. Uh, with Erickson there, you, you're right; it might end up being the guard. But I think at one point we're definitely considering, considering him to play center, and we'll see how that kind of plays out. Plenty of time to get that all figured out. Uh, one thing I was also told is that running back DeAndre Swift uh, spent most of the week in a black non-contact jersey. Uh, it, it seems to be just one of those kind of uh, a lingering issue. He had a groin injury that he was working through late last season. That seems to be kind of lingering a little bit. Does that concern you at all? Not really, because I mean, especially when it came to spring practice and the uh, the um, spring game. I mean, how many times did you see Sony and Nick and just get one carry or anything? And that's fair. I mean, Nick. I mean, that's the, he knows. He knows the. Uh, he knows the pass blocking pattern or the 
the, the sets and everything. I think, to me, this spring is most important to the two backups behind him. And that was my next question. Like, we don't, Of course, we don't want any of our guys to ever be experiencing any kind of injuries. That's never necessarily really a good thing. But could this situation maybe actually work? It, it, it's, assuming that DeAndre Swift's going to heal completely, be 100%, and have no issues with his growing during the season, could this maybe be a blessing in disguise in that uh, Harry and Holyfield are getting more reps and you can, our coach get a better look at who should be that number two back? I think it is because I think the last couple of years, I mean, especially in practice, they were they were fourth and fifth, so they weren't getting that many reps when it really came out of practice. So this is their chance to get more on film for the coaches to watch. Yeah, I think that's going to be. I think that's going to be key. Honestly, I, I really think that's going to help our coaches in their evaluation of who should be that number two back. Now they are going to make an evaluation regardless, but the more reps you get, you get to see from guys like Harry and Holyfield. The the more complete of a picture you're presented, and the better, the more information you have to make a decision, the better off you're going to be. So, I think in that regard, again, as long as Swift comes out completely healthy from this and is not something that lingers into the season, maybe it could potentially be a blessing in disguise. But I'd love to get the guy back, no doubt about that. All right, uh, next thing up here, uh, Kirby. Now, this is normally a guy, Kirby Smart, who keeps very tight control over the news and information flow that's coming out of our program. He usually does not just let things slip. But if you listen to his press conference on Saturday, he might have just maybe let a little something slip in regards to Zamir White's progress recovering from his ACL injury. Uh, and this is what this is what Kirby had to say in reg- uh, in response to a question about David Wilson's uh, ACL injury prognosis and whether we feel like we might be able to get him back. Kirby said, "Quote, talking about David, uh, he or da- not David, da- David." Uh, he's a bright kid, a really hard-working kid, and we are hoping he will heal fast. Now, here's the key part. If he's at Zamir's pace, referring to Zamir White, then we should be able to get him back. Now, Kurt, that's a very subtle slip, but I also think it's telling. Uh, do you read anything into that quote, or am I making something out of nothing here? I mean, I, I think you can read into it. I mean, people that remember when Zamir White tore his ACL, he didn't even know it. He came down here on a visit, and our coaches were the ones that were like, you know, maybe you should go get that checked out. I mean, he, he, he was in probably a little bit of pain, but he was – I mean, it wasn't enough to make him think, all right, I need to go get it checked out. So, I mean, that right there I think was the first thing that made you think, wow, it wasn't as severe as some of these kids that completely tear everything in there. And then even then, I mean, you, if you watch practice, I mean, he's moving better. I don't think it's even been six months since the surgery. He's moving pretty decently. Yeah, and you and I talked about this a little bit last week when we recapped in the first week of spring practice. If you think back to two years ago with Nate Chubb coming off the, the, hor- the horrific injury during spring, no one was expecting him to do anything. But what was he out there doing? He was taking handoffs, going through run polish drills, things like that. And then what What did Nick do to open the season? Oh, that's right. He was playing, right? He was starting. Uh, Zamir White, it's, it, I think. I mean, look, I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I don't know what's going on with their injuries. I don't know. But just looking at what Nick was able to do two years ago in that spring and looking at what Zamir's doing this spring, it's basically the same thing. Taking handoff, t- taking handoffs, going through run polish drills. It looks eerily similar to Nick Chubb. Now, I, I know they were very different injuries. But still, like in terms of where he is right now and how ready he'll be to play come the start of the season, I think if, if, if you look at what he's doing right now at, during spring practice and then you take Kirby's quotes into account there, that if he's at Zamir's pace, then we should be able to get him back. He's clearly saying that we expect to have Zamir back at some point this, this summer and hopefully for the start of the season. Uh, so we'll see. I mean, I, I don't know, 
But I think that was a little subtle slip there that is at least slightly encouraging about the progress Zamir White's making. And I'll say this. I'm really glad Zamir White is an early enrollee because I'd much rather him be here on campus rehabbing with our world-class trainers, with Ron Corson leading the show, than at, at some rehab center in North Carolina. I feel much better about that. So we'll see. We'll see. But I think that's certainly something that's encouraging. All right, guys. That's about all we have coming out of week two of spring practice. So now, just for a few minutes here, we're going to introduce a new segment uh, that we're going to try our best to run about once a week or so, and we're going to call this Give and Take. The premise is pretty simple. Um, Over the past several months, really since the end of football season, uh, we've gotten a growing number of requests to add a little flavor to the show by kind of opening up conversation to things outside the world of Georgia sports. And look, guys, like, I hear you, and we've been sort of hesitant to do this in the past because, look, the reason we started this podcast in the first place is... Like, we just got tired of sports shows that didn't actually talk sports, <laughs> you know? It's a sports show. Go figure. Talk sports, right? But that's not the case with all sports shows. And like, there's, there's a lot of fluff in the shows that we were listening to. I, and, I mean, it was driving me crazy, and it still does. You know, having so-called sports shows that spend about 20% of their airtime talking sports and the rest, which is kind of random junk that I had no interest listening to. Uh, so, from the beginning, our goal was to be your kind of go-to place for hardcore, nuts-and-bolts Georgia sports talk. And I, and I think we've done a decent job, at least, of being that. And I know that's not for everybody. A lot of people, they prefer having a little more fluff in the, into their sports talk. I get that. But we were trying to kind of fill that void for people who just you know really want to get into some hardcore sports talk. But we do also recognize, that being said, that there are a lot of you out there who enjoy uh, radio shows and podcasts, mixing it up and having a little fun every now and then. And, and I recognize there's a happy medium there. So the people have spoken, and Curtis and I have listened, and trust me, uh, while we are going to incorporate this segment in the show uh, once a week or so, uh, the sports to random fun topics, that ratio, is going to be about 95% sports, 5% random fun stuff. But we do want to I mean, try to listen to all of our listeners out there and, and kind of pretty sure that everyone uh, that will enjoy. So anyway, we're calling this segment Give and Take. And uh, what we're going to do is I'm going to give Curtis three questions related to things going on in the world and uh, this first time around, I'm just going to give Curtis three questions, right? Just to, we're going to try it out, see how it works. And if you guys, if, if the feedback is good, you guys want more of it, then we'll go with the take part. Uh, but the idea, like the give and take, the idea is if this is something you guys enjoy, uh, I'll give Curtis three questions related to things going on in the world, and I'll take three from him in return. Hence, give and take. So uh, some of the questions might be sports related, but some of them might not be. It's just kind of, kind of, it will kind of depend on what's going on out there in the world. So we'll give it a shot, and we definitely want to hear your feedback on this so uh do not be shy let us know if you like it or you hate it if you hate it we won't do it again but we're just trying to meet the demand of our listeners out there we've got a, had a, quite a few people out there asking for us to just kind of spread our wings a little bit and bring a few other uh, topics into our show but all right let's give this a shot all right with ba- the first question here number one with baseball season starting last week and spring football games about to kick into high gear of the next few weeks what would you rather do would you rather go to Braves opening day or the Georgia spring game? Um, in reality, it probably would have to be opening day just for the fact of if anything, if, I mean, as bad as the Braves are, that's the one time of the year where there's actually some excitement and the state, you know, the stadium's going to be packed for that one time. No way, dude. Seriously? Opening day, a regular season baseball game? Oh, yeah, man. I mean, really? that's the one time where the atmosphere is actually like a, it, it gets as close to a playoff atmosphere as you'll get to the Braves for a while. Okay, that, that's true. That's fair. There's actually some excitement in the air for the Braves. I mean, and, and that's the, if I'm going to go to a Braves game, hoping day would be the one time that you'd actually put up with the, all that stuff going to the Cobb County area for. 
Oh my god! I just and look, you and I, for everyone out there, know you and I both grew up big time baseball players. Uh, we played travel ball, the like, all that stuff. Uh, so you know, we, we have that in our background. It's not like I never played baseball, and I just had like this irrational hatred against it. But look, as I've grown up and gotten older, like baseball just doesn't really do it for me. Especially like professional sports in general don't really do it for me. Uh, I'm, I'm a, like 100 a, a college guy. I, I, I watch professional sports here and there. Uh, you know, pay attention to on the periphery, but no, I don't really get that much. It just doesn't do much for me. I just don't have the connection to it I have with Georgia sports. So I, I, maybe that's kind of coloring my response here. But I, I, to me, it's like a no question the other way around. I would go to Georgia spring game all day long. Like, I know spring games mean absolutely nothing, and you only see so much. But like any, to me, anytime I get a chance to watch guys out there, go out there and play football, especially Georgia, play football, even if it's, it's just a glorified scrimmage, which it is, I'm going to take that all day long. But I, I respect your opinion. All right, let me ask you this question. All right, so I, this is all right. So this is I'm not. This is going to be like an extension. I have three questions, but this is kind of an extension off the first one. All right, would you rather go to a Braves World Series game or a Georgia regular season home game? Would you miss a Georgia regular season home game to go to a Braves World Series game? If against if it's against a terrible opponent, yes, because you lead by. Half okay, time. all right, all right, fair. All right, so Braves World Series game or UGA home SEC contest. Well, I mean, it's also Vanderbilt and teams like that. I mean, if it's a good <sighs> SEC team, I'd probably go just go to the. Uh, uh, I'd actually have to say the World Series just because, as in the work, sports nowadays, they happen so little. It, it's it's it, a, it's the rarity, right? Yeah, it's the rarity. I think that's the biggest reason. I, I totally get where you're coming from. That's the, that's probably the rational answer. But for me, there is no other sporting event in the world that would ever get me to miss a Georgia football game. I don't even care if it's like Charleston Southern. There's just no way. Just no way. But uh, all right, next question here. On a related note, sticking with baseball for one more question. Major League Baseball may have just got underway last week, but college baseball is already well into conference play. And through three league series, believe it or not, if you pay attention to our baseball program in the past four years, this might be hard to believe. But if you haven't paid attention this season, our Georgia Bulldogs currently sit in first place with a 7-2 and two league record. I've covered this a little bit on, on social media over the past few weeks, talked about it a little bit. But Curtis, I haven't gotten your take, so I'm curious to get your take right now on this Georgia baseball team. Is this team a contender or pretender? And I'll let you define contender however you would like. Um, I think they're a contender as long as Emerson Hancock comes back. Because, I mean, it is it very it is worrisome, uh, his injury, but also the fact that if two of your three uh, weekend pitchers are freshmen, I think that's a little bit worrisome because it, it's a long season and a lot can happen, um, especially if they, you know, such little things can get them off their game. Uh, but I think their hitting-wise keeps them in the game. Uh, the series they, they lost most recently against Charleston Southern a couple of weeks ago, they were just getting out-hit, um, and I think that's the biggest thing. So as long as it, Hancock comes back and uh, – That was a scary – I mean, it looked scary the way it came off that mound. Yeah, because I, I was there. I mean, you, you, it's, it's just like a weird freak thing. Yeah. It, yeah, it, it, I think they said it ended up being his angle, but it looked like it potentially be the knee. I mean, it just looked bad coming off that mound. Um, but he was pitching well to that point. I, and I was at the game uh, last weekend against South Carolina. A guy pitched a gym, uh, and he's a freshman. He's pitching really well for us. So, and what I'm hearing right now is that he's gonna, he was going to throw off the mound early this week. And if everything goes well, uh, we'll kind of. It's, it's not a question of is he going to pitch soon. It's going to be like, okay, does he is he going to pitch his regular weekend spot, or are we going to push him back a day? It's it's nothing too serious right now. At least that's what the, the word I'm getting right now. So. Uh, I'm with you though. If we if we uh, don't have him for a couple of starts, then that that could definitely put a. Because uh, yeah, our bullpen is very. That's the one. That's the scary part. part. 
of our team right now, so we need good starting pitching. Yeah, the bullpen's yeah. pitching better than they were. There's no doubt they're pitching, but Christofak, Losha, those guys are, are pitching much better. Um, Losha came in and, and really helped out after Hancock went down. But uh, that's still, if, if there's a concern with the staff, I still say it's the bullpen. With that, not our staff, but our pitching in general will be the bullpen for sure. Uh, all right, last question here, man. Uh, with the Masters set to begin later this week, and we all hear this every time the Masters rolls around every April, uh, that this is kind of one of those things that's a bucket list stop for a lot of people. So with the Masters being one of those things that, that's at the top of a lot of bucket lists out there, what is at the top of your personal sports bucket list? Um, it's easy. It's a Duke Carolina basketball game at Cameron Indoor. Yeah, at Cameron Indoor. I, I know you you like North Carolina basketball, so not at not the Dean Dome. Uh, I mean, I lo- I, I would love. I'll be in Dean Dome. It's easier to get a ticket into there, but it's so hard to get into Cameron and just the atmosphere of that tiny stadium. With oh no, I doubt. mean how loud it gets. I mean, you, just for a rivalry like that, you can only imagine. So I think just it's be there and watch a game, especially when you have all those celebrities that go that, that go when it's there. I think that'd just be probably one of the best all time basketball experiences ever. Oh yeah, that that that's a great one. It's not something I was thinking, but coming from your background, I totally get where you're coming from. That'd be that would be an awesome experience. Just seeing any game there, especially a game of of that. That magnitude, right? That that rivalry. Everyone says it's the the best rivalry in sports, right? Uh, I don't know if I would go that far, but people say that. Uh, for me, I don't know, man. Like, like I'm really an, a Georgia sports guy. Like, uh, if you would ask me this question before last season, I would have told you going to see Georgia play in a national championship game. Well, I I've marked that off my bucket list. Um, although I try to forget about what happened. So I guess if I had to answer my own question, I would say, uh, just kind of adjust that slightly and say, go to a go to a Georgia national championship game where we actually win. That's at the top of my bucket list. So I don't know, man. Hopefully that'll happen soon. God willing, maybe, possibly, if we're lucky. All right. So that does it for us today here on the show, guys. Again, if you like the give and take, let us know. If you don't like it, let us know too. Be nice about it, but you can definitely just let us. Hey, you know, we love you guys. Stick to Georgia sports, and uh, we'll definitely take that feedback and uh, decide whether we're going to keep this going or not. But thanks for listening, guys. We really do appreciate it. For Curtis, I'm Tyler. Check back with us later in the week. We'll have our listener mailbag show. It's back again. Again, make sure to send us. Any and all questions you have about Georgia sports, we'll make sure to get to as many of those as we possibly can. You can hit us up on Twitter at glowing underscore UGA. Thanks for listening, and as always, go dogs.